Today we're going to be talking about non-commercially viable arts. Uh, I'm here with Vicky and Alex. My name is Marie. I am the co-executive director of Spark, and I'm a third-year health science and sociology major. Um, and we're going to be doing some intros and then an intro question. So I'll pass it over to Vicky. Hi, I'm Vicky. I'm a second-year computer science and linguistics major. I am the secretary of Spark. I'm Alex, and I'm the other co-executive director of Spark, um, or the executive director with Marie being the president, um, depending on which way Obviously. you want to count things, if we want to be annoying or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a third year uh, studying philosophy and social entrepreneurship here at Northeastern. Cool. Um, Alex, what's our intro question? I would love to get into our intro question. So uh, for those of you who don't know, at our Spark meetings, we always have a ridiculous intro question that we usually spend like 20 minutes on. Uh, probably won't spend that much time on this one, but the question is, if Spark had a mascot, what would it be? Marie, would you like to kick us off? Wow, uh, that's a great question, and I did forewarn you that I have the most lame answer, but that's probably lame good that I'm, accepted. I'm going first. But So our... Club color is orange, and I'm thinking just a giant orange, like a person in an orange bodysuit. I, I vibe like, with as that. the fruit, as a Floridian, as, um, <laughs> as a I'm Floridian. Um, yeah, so that's that's probably the lamest answer, but I'm I'm ready to hear more. How about Vicky? Um, my choice for a Spark mas- mascot is an umbrella octopus, Ooh. which is really cute. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Can we get a uh, a visual description yeah, yeah, yeah. for the for people the at home? Please Google umbrella octopus. That's what we're doing right now. Follow along. Oh, oh, look wow. like this. oh, oh, this is kind of cute. You know, it's orange. Like, for it's, those who can't see, this is just a small, squishy looking octopus. It looks like a stuffed animal like that little, I want to hug. Little baby dog. And it's orange. Yeah, and we could sell this. We could sell <laughs> new merch dropping soon. Um, commercially mark? viable art Commerci- is this what is, I'm hearing. Uh, it's it's relevant to the theme. Amanda and Anna get on that. Um, new merch. Yeah, shout out finance. Shout out finance. <laughs> new team. merch is just this small little octopus as a stuffed animal. Um, I love it. That's so much better than an orange. <laughs> Okay, Alex, what do you I, have? I'm going to compete with Marie for uncreative answers here and go for um, an actual spark that just, like, has eyeballs uh, and is alive. When when you first told me that the spark would be alive, I simply thought you meant a fire. Just just a little baby spark. Which which would be not a great mascot. I don't Maybe think a fire, a fire would be fire when good. it grows up, but for now. Oh, okay. It's a spark. Mm, all right. When, um, are, when are we growing up? Is that... Uh, TBD. TBD. Um, <laughs> TBD. We'll remain episode. children now. We'd also Sparks discussed now. previously fire later. Uh, fireflies slash lightning bugs, um, but then Marie brought up the good point that like when you actually look at them closely, like they're not that cute, but yeah, similar mm-hmm. spark. Yeah. I like it still though. I think it could be. It, it's an option. You can we'll make keep it them cute. All like bumblebees, where they yeah. just don't draw their face and make them a big orb. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Great design team. You have a new project. Um, <laughs> so do we want to get to our actual topic at hand today? Um, so our topic is non-commercially viable art. Um, I'll give just like a little bit of background on why this was something that I at least was interested in discussing. Um, so I was thinking about how a lot of the work that I like in contemporary art museums and stuff is uh, something that's difficult to own. Um, I'm really interested in a lot of like installation art, things made out of weird materials, etc. Um, and it's not something that you can really own. So that presents a few 
questions um, for how artists uh, can make a living, because they do still have to do that, of course. Um, you know, how do you sell these things? Uh, what institutional boundaries are there? Uh, those types of considerations. Um, so yeah, we're going to just kick off with talking about just a few examples of things that uh, we think may not be particularly commercially viable, um, and then go into some questions. And, and yeah. Yeah, and briefly before we get into that, um, we're like operating with commercially viable, meaning something that's a product, a business, a service in the art world that has the ability to, I looked this up before, it's a, it's a Merriam-Webster definition, to compete effectively and make a profit. Um, so what doesn't do that? Is what we're talking about. Or what do we think doesn't do that, but turns out it actually does. Right. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, Who wants to kick us off with an example? Uh, I can give an example. So a lot of environmental art, I feel like, falls under this umbrella of non-commercially viable. For example, there are the Sun Tunnels um, by Nancy Holt, which are basically big metal tombs tubes that are in the middle of the desert and in order to experience the art you have to go drive out to the desert and stand inside the tubes at sunset to see like the light flickering off of the sides and it's not like she charges admission or anything like that and it's difficult to kind of photograph that kind of art because you have to stand there and experience it so this seems to me to be a non-commercially viable piece of art Wow. That's that's really cool. It's hard to think of other things that you can't really do that with, that don't charge admission, that don't you can't take a photograph or a video of it. It won't be the same experience. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like there's also just, like, some interesting questions there of, like, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to have art that you know, like, isn't motivated by commercial um, or financial reasons. Um, I think that's quite interesting. Uh, Marie, did you have another example you wanted to go into? Yeah, mine is a little more general, but um, I was thinking about graffiti as a whole concept where the reasons behind graffiti are pretty much never financial. Um, Some of the reasons uh, when I was researching graffiti would be like a political statement, marking your territory, competitions, and then interactions with public spaces. So I feel like this is kind of very similar to the environmental art that Vicky is talking about because um, it's sort of like how you can interact with the existing environment outside of like a like a gallery space or your own studio. So it's very interesting because you're not the only uh, person making the art. Like the earth is making the art or the other graffiti artists are, are overlapping you and so on. So it's very much, it feels more like a conversation um, with like, the landscape or with other people then maybe more commercially viable art is unless you're banksy and then that's true you're just like you know a <laughs> capitalist graffiti artist i guess literally yeah. <laughs> did you see that like that one store owner who banksy made an art piece on their wall and then they took off the wall so that they could sell it wow yeah i would probably do the same thing Honestly. don't know how to feel about that <laughs> <laughs> interesting Mm-hmm. Banksy says, take the walls off of your home for the value. <laughs> Very deep statement. In that. Right. <laughs> um, Alex, do you have an example? I do. So I feel like most people who have talked to me have heard me rant about this piece of art because I find it very interesting. Um, or two. There are two that I'm particularly interested in. Uh, so one is Walter de Maria's Earth Room. Um, and for those of you who 
uh, have not seen or heard about this before. Basically, there's this room in New York City that is entirely full of, like, two feet of dirt, uh, just, like, going all the way around. Walls are completely white. Um, and, yeah, it's not exactly the most commercially viable thing ever because um, you can't really sell that to someone. Um, I mean, I suppose you can sell the experience of going and looking at some dirt in a room in New York City. Um, but this is also a piece that I love to uh, get into minor arguments with people who don't like contemporary art about um, because... On first glance, a lot of people are like, oh my god, like, this is just another, like, stunt thingy, um, you know, that doesn't take that much skill or whatever, the usual talking points. Um, it's one of my favorite pieces just because I think there's a lot of really interesting um, conversations that can be had about the value of land and what sort of things you um, can and can't do um, when real estate prices are so expensive in somewhere like New York City. Um, and what things you have to prioritize over other things um, in an environment like that. So that's a favorite of mine. But again, um, you can't really sell that. It's also something that's, like, very difficult to um, get started with. So, like, if I'm an artist and I'm interested in making this type of installation art, you really don't have, like, that much of an opportunity unless there is a gallery or a museum or something who wants to, like, give you a grant or otherwise, like, you know, let you pass uh, these institutional boundaries to, like, give you the funding to do this. Otherwise, you're kind of just doing it on your own without the credibility and the financial support. Um, so that's one. And then I'll quickly talk about another one, which also, if you've met me, I've, like, almost definitely talked about this before. Uh, and that one is Shoot by Chris Burden. Um, so for those of you who don't know this, this was a protest of the Vietnam War in which the artist Chris Burton gets shot in the arm with a twenty-two long rifle um, in a gallery. Um, and yeah, again, not uh, exactly the most commercially viable thing. You can't really sell you getting shot in the arm wow. to people. Um, I mean, if you like really wanted to, I guess you could sell like the video or like entrance to the gallery. Um, the opportunity to shoot you. The, the opportunity arm, right? to shoot you. That's that's actually the priceless, next, really. Uh, <laughs> the next capitalist hellscape. Um, yeah, so, again, both very, uh, like, gallery-centric experiences that you kind of can't have elsewhere, you can't collect. Cool. Wow. Those are great examples. I hadn't really thought about either of those as much as, like, you talked about it before, but those are, those are intense. Um, so, one thing I'm wondering is, when you're talking about how people get the money to do this, is it's very interesting to have art that... Um, like you're saying, it's so great when we have art that isn't financially motivated, and yet we're sort of living in a world where artists are already not always financially compensated in the ways that they should. So when we say that it's great that it's not financially motivated, it means that it's like truly coming from the artist, but it's interesting to think about which artists can do that. Yeah, and I know you're talking about grants. About yeah, that. mixed feelings yeah. for sure. For sure. And maybe these people do maybe these artists do get grants um, to create all of their works, um, but maybe they I, don't. I also feel yeah. like there's not a whole lot of transparency in the art world about how these sort of things are funded. Um, yeah. So, like, if you're an artist who's just starting off and doesn't really know exactly how these sort of things work, um, like, you may look up to, like, other artists and things who are doing these crazy things and be like, well, how are you, like, able to support yourself when I'm trying to do similar things but, like, don't know how to get the funding for it? So I think it would be yeah. good for there to be a little bit more transparency in that in the art world. I agree. I mean, obviously, we don't know how it works yeah. <laughs> at this I, point. I, there's, there's a lot of guessing going on in this podcast. Yes. Uh -huh. um, but 
Yeah. I know we talked about this a little on the podcast about money laundering in art, but there's also a lack of transparency in the sources of some of this money and kind of you have to think about sometimes things like drug cartels getting busted being bad for museums and art galleries who depended on them because art is a big way to kind of move around dirty money so yeah it just also makes you think when people do give grants and things like that it also is a wonder of like then we're giving power to those people who can pick and choose what kind of art they want to give Mm -hmm. a platform so it's kind of like a mixed bag there yeah, because it's, like, when you get a grant, uh, or before you get a grant, when you're applying for a grant, right, it's not like you really have, like, the unlimited freedom of being, un- like, untethered to finances, right? Because, again, like you said, you're having to, like, appeal to the people who are the ones who have the grant money, who are, like, wanting to see a certain sort of thing in the world. Um, so, like, even in a scenario where you're not directly selling your art, like, there still are financial ties, I think, that um, influence you. Yeah, and I, I was reading, this is like a little bit more related to commercially viable art, but I was reading about how difficult it is to get into a gallery, like who you have to um, be known by or, or so on to get into a gallery space where they will sell your art. So that's interesting to think about when you do make commercially viable art, who you have to make it for or like what your audience is versus whether you don't care if it makes a profit or not um, and so on. So interesting thought too yeah um one other question that we have here that um i think is related that we could talk about is um how should we support non-commercially viable art um or is is that like an obligation that we should have like do we think the world is better with more of these types of works um and if so like how do we go about that any thoughts that's a that's a big question i know i know take it Well, it makes me think that there are kind of more ways to crowdsource, um, like, money and funds for these things. Like, I'm thinking of all the creators who now have a Patreon or a, like, other other ways to support art other than I'll pay you um, to make this specific art and more just, like, you're supporting me as a creator because you think what I do is cool. And other things like, I don't know, there's coffee, there's things like that, where I see a lot of, like, small smaller artists online use very often to kind of make their way through and support themselves. Yeah, that's cool. And I think um, publicity uh, obviously can do a lot for non-commercially viable art because if you're spreading the message about this person's name, I feel like if they also sell commercially viable art, that's great. Or if they want grants to make more non-commercially viable art, getting their name out and getting the events that they're hosting out would be obviously one step to to support them, I would suppose. Thoughts, Alex? Um, I, I like, partially agree, partially disagree. Because um, <laughs> I, I, like, we do, like, very much live in an attention economy where, like, that's, like, the main thing, like, people are competing for. Um, and if they have a lot of attention surrounding, like, some of these projects that are less commercially viable... Maybe they can get more attention on some that are uh, commercially viable and, you know, make sales there and that sort of thing. Um, but I do also, like, not want to not fall into the trap of the, like, uh, 
we're paying you an exposure type of thing. Because um, yeah. I feel like that's, like, quite common in the arts, which is um, unfortunate for a lot of people starting out um, and limits opportunities for people who can't get paid an exposure. Mm-hmm. That's true. I hadn't even hadn't even thought about that little trap that happens a lot in the art world. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be a little bit of a, a bounce, but I do want to talk about art that uh, is commercially viable that maybe shouldn't be. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so my favorite art piece that is commercially viable that shouldn't be is a um, sculpture. It's called Lo Sono. Um, I'm pulling up the artist's Heavy name right now. <laughs> Heavy air quotes around the word sculpture. Um, the artist is Salvatore Garou. Um, and this sculpture sold for $18,300 um, at an uh, art auction. So um, the artist is 67 years old. Uh, but the most important part about the art is that it doesn't technically exist. So it's it's a space that's being sold. And Lo Sono translates to I am. I don't know if that gives any meaning for you guys. Makes you think you'd want to drop $18,300 on it. But um, we're looking up a picture right now. Uh, I don't know how to spell it. What? <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's Just a great. I guess. No, there's a there's a marked off space where the sculpture is like in air quotes. Like tape or yes. Um, oof, oof, I can't here, find let me let tape. me look it up for you. Here, yes, you type it. I can't find it. All I'm getting is Rocket Boy. <laughs> well, I missed an A. That mm. There it is. There is nothing. That's that's sh- <laughs> I like the different <laughs> pictures of it very in sexy like floor. different places, yeah. and it's still like nothing. Love that fluorescent light. <laughs> like oh, now it's in a room. We're looking at <laughs> for context. We're looking at empty rooms, um, and then a street with a a chalk marking around where the art is. Um, is is in quotes, obviously, because you wouldn't know it if you walked by it, um, but. Yeah, eighteen thousand um, dollars. My I'm, next purchase for sure. I'm kind of curious how, um, like, the intellectual property rights on this work, just because um, from the little I've learned about copyright from my music industry class, or I shouldn't say the little bit I've learned. I've actually learned a good amount about copyright. Um, basically, at least how it works for music is ideas are not copyrightable, right? So it has to be like the like physical thing itself um, transposed into some sort of medium. So what happens with this? Um, (laughs) Like, you know, how do you... can't authenticate it. Um, I mean, I guess this means that you can have multiple of these. Um, Although it seems like what they're trying to sell is, like, the right for you to do this again. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess maybe you're getting the right to his name, question mark? Yeah, that is really... What are you getting the rights to? Because, like, the fact that they put it in different places... (laughs) When there's nothing to put, is just... my imaginary best friend. Yeah, like, you're not the... I assume it's not the tape. They're not selling the tape, because right. some of these don't have the tape. It's just, like, a platform, so... I really hate that this makes me think of NFTs. It does. <laughs> it does make me... <laughs> I am so sick of the amount of brain space that is being taken up by NFT discourse currently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's too much. I... Right. Will you will you give some context about NFTs for the listeners? Oh God, regrettably yes. Um, <laughs> so NFTs, uh, I think it stands for like non fungible token or something like yeah. that. And the general idea is 
that you get a claim of ownership on um, a digital work. Um, and the general response to that that people have is, well, like, the, you know, the JPEG file is right there. Like, I can just download it, and then I have it. Um, but the NFT, like, uses blockchain or some technology thingy to, like, show uh, that you own it. Sometimes there's, like, perks associated with it. Um, but, yeah, again, it's, it comes back to this general idea of what are you buying? And it's, like, the quote-unquote, like, ownership over something that is, like, yeah. difficult to own. Mm-hmm. Especially since it, I don't think it's really legally backed up, per se, because, like, you can take anyone's art and put it up as an NFT, and, like, that doesn't mean you legally own anything. Yeah. It really just means that you have, like, used a cryptocurrency and invested in one, which makes me feel like that's really <laughs> what they want out of mm. you, not, like, the ownership of art, but for you to invest in crypto. But this is also something we talked at length about in the um, money laundering um, podcast, because, well, obviously, <laughs> money laundering... <laughs> But you should listen to that episode. You should listen to that episode if you want to learn more about NFTs and hear us complain about it again. But did you talk about Beeple on that podcast? We did not talk about Beeple. <laughs> we like can talk, talk about, about it here. Beeple now? I'd yes. love to talk about Beeple. So Beeple um, is in... It's not Beeple. Spoiler alert. <laughs> right? Um, so Beeple's actual name is Mike Winkleman. Um, he's a digital artist. And uh, he recently sold an NFT of his work for $69 million, um, which posi- positions him among the top three most valuable living artists. Um, we were looking at some of the art included in this uh, NFT, and uh, thoughts on that art? I don't know if you remember. It's, 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 uh, it's quite interesting. Um, Do I need a refresher? Yeah, of course. So it's called Every Days, the first 5,000 days. Um, it's the first purely digital work of art ever offered by a major auction house. Um, when you look that's, at it... That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I, that's very surprising to me. Yeah. When, when you look at it from afar, what you see is 5,000 images of, um, like, so it's all put together and it just looks like a collage of little tiny mini squares, but each one is like a whole art piece in itself. Um, some of them are, like, honestly, like, that's kind of gorgeous. I I like it. It's an astronaut with a little flower, a very pretty sky. And then some of them are, like... some very questionable um, ones. Yeah, yeah, some extremely (laughs) terrifying ones. Oh, no. That's horrible. Is that actually Uh, part of it? Yeah, it's... We're looking at Giga Chad. Okay, so Um. Giga Chad, apparently, is a piece within this. Um, And picture the Hulk... Um, but he's not green. He's uh, Elon Musk colored um, with an Elon Musk head. Um, and a dog. And a Shiba Inu. Um, and he's also in his tidy whities um, with a SpaceX rocket exploding in the background. Um, fine, I, fine art question? My life feels worse <laughs> having seen this, actually. Um, I'm sorry, going to agree with that. I want this away out of my mind. <laughs> Um, That's that should be non-commercially viable art. Unfortunately, it's on Redbubble for twenty eight dollars. So <laughs> get it now while this, you can, I guess. People have this on their walls. Yeah, but yeah, if you get a chance, you should look 
this up, I I guess, if you're interested. No. Oh, my God. No, you should or not, you Definitely it's should like, not. You get, you get past, like, two for, artworks where you're like, oh, actually, these look pretty nice. And then you just hit one where you're like, never like mind. There's, like, a naked track. There's um, just naked check. For an audience. It, it's not full frontal, but it's more than one needs. More than... And then you see, like, a cool one again. And no, there like, are several cool are like, ones, and then it just hits you with... With something you Why wish you'd like never seen. The one with the giant bottle of cranberry juice towering over the city. Yeah, this like, is Vibe City. Pure product placement for Ocean Spray. But, right. like, I do like cranberry juice. Mm. I know. Um, yeah, maybe this sold for $69 million for pure intrigue. I'm not really sure. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it really I'm, is. I'm like, still stuck on this whole, like, auction house, like, first digital thing. Oh, like, this, no. This is the direction they... Oh. Birth of a nation is something you don't want to see. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's, you never want to see that. We're uh, not even going to describe I think, that. I think that's NSFB more than I ever need to see. Podcast. I think that's all I'm uh, going to look at for people's art for today. Yeah, that's, that's enough. Anyway. Uh, that's enough. I'm nope. We're going to get rid of that. Going to purposely <laughs> divert us right now. Yeah, let's do that. Um, by asking, is there such a thing as non-commercially viable art? Because we've been talking about non-commercially viable art. Um, and then also providing some context for ways in which they have been commercialized. So, thoughts, question mark? Yeah, I was struggling with that too when I was first researching this because some things that came into my head would be like temporary art, um, Mm -hmm. like face paint uh, or body art or anything uh, that would go away in the rain or something like that, um, where... A lot of times you can commercialize that by selling the service that you're doing, even though it's temporary. Um, so, so even like some of the examples I was coming up with my in my head were getting shut down. Um, so that was my struggle at first. But what do you guys think off the bat? Mm-hmm. I think that um, my art is non-commercially viable because no one will buy it. Just- <laughs> <laughs> That's a great example. <laughs> uh, but really... Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of these things that are non-commercially viable, like, really become commercially viable, less so a lot of times because of the art itself, but because of the name it's attached to. So, yeah. like, for example, that guy who sold nothing, I'm going to guess that this isn't the first artwork he sold. Like, be people, a great debut. That would be a great <laughs> debut, but <laughs> I, I'm going to, like, take a, take a little guess mm-hmm. and say that he's in artist already and he's done things before and that's why people know him you're Um, in fact right i'm correct (laughs) so it often feels like it's not the art itself that is like commercially viable but the the brand that comes with the art yeah Mm -hmm. when you talk about personal art i was also thinking about that and one thing that is most certainly not commercially viable is um when you're copywriting something, when you yourself are, like, copying another artist's work, mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. sell that legally, right? Like, someone's exact work? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Most, you probably shouldn't, at least. Get into the forgery business, man. Get into the forgery. <laughs> no, exactly. That is viable yeah. now. However, it is viable in the fact that it makes you a better artist when you practice art. So, I was thinking about that a lot. I was like, well, I can just copy someone else's art, but no one wants that. Only I want that because I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, that was my example. So I've got I've got some more thoughts, um, which is I was I was thinking about this and I was thinking that I feel like wherever there is value or perceived value, there's some way that people can find to monetize it. Um, 
I think that means I don't think that necessarily means that like a piece itself is necessarily non commercially viable. I think it can be made to be commercially viable or non commercially viable. Um, and then I was also thinking about um, pieces that were like made under different economic conditions. So I was thinking about like cave paintings, like mm, yeah. in a cave painting world, like pre money existing, <laughs> uh, not not a very like commercially viable thing. Like that's just mm-hmm. that's just a you thing, or that's just a whatever they think they were for, whether it was for, like, hunting practices or education. I don't know. Do you think they they could have offered their services for food, you know? Other people's caves? Yeah, literally. I'll paint your cave cave for a sheep. (laughs) For one sheep, I'll paint your cave. That's an expensive cave painting. (laughs) I know. Actually, fun fact, uh, money was invented specifically to sell decked out caves. Um, This just in. This just in. We just discovered this. Um, You want a cool cave? We gotta gotta make a trade system. I hypothesized it and then decided that it was correct, so Mm-hmm. That's how that works. So trust everything you hear on the What the Spark podcast. I, that's what I would say. That's what they say about the internet, and they're right about that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spark is on the internet, uh, on Instagram, at SparkNU. That was um, a lovely transition. As, I think that's the smoothest transition we've We're had. plugging other Spark things. Um, this is an old Spark thing, so you can't do this anymore. But if we're talking about non-commercially viable art, um, we had this program called Art Exchange uh, that started when COVID first started. Um, and that, I feel like, was an example of art uh, being... Shared and appreciated in a non-commercial context um, because basically what we did was we randomly matched people uh, to make art for each other and they shared their art, um, but it was nice not having to have any sort of monetary exchange involved. It was just like creating something for someone uh, because they would appreciate it and them doing the same. Mm -hmm. It was very cute. It was lovely. I think that is lovely. I also did, I did something similar. I usually do, I feel like. Um, which are just secret Santa exchanges. Oh, hell yeah, where, yeah. secret Santa. Especially, like, in fandoms. Spark oh, that's secret also... Secret Santa, question mark? Oh, Yo, definitely. Do I'm doing, like, three secret Santas at this point, and I'm willing to do another yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> but once I said fandom, it made me think of also fan art. Like, that's true. Yeah. A lot of times... Well, a lot of times companies will let you sell your fan art because it, like, encourages people to watch their show and things like that. But there are also cases where you can't really sell your art for profit like doujinshi in japan uh, a lot of those people like well doujinshi is fan-made like comics that can like they sell them in actual stores but they don't actually make a profit from it all of the money that is like goes to doujinshi is, is just to like print the books and so that's just a work of passion because legally they can't make money out of it but it's like People love it, and it's, like, a feedback loop of, like, they want more, they love the art and everything like that. Same thing with, like, fan fiction. Can't really sell your fan fiction, but people still make this art for others to consume. That reminds me of of zines. Um, I mean, I know zines can be sold, but, like... The, the general idea was that, you know, you make something that's easily, like, very reproducible so that um, other people can enjoy and spread your content um, without necessarily having to pay for it each time, um, unless they're, like, paying for materials. They can be sold. Like, I've, I've seen them at some art fair things and whatnot, but I feel like the general concept um, can be separated from being commercial. Agreed. Agreed. Wow. If you have thoughts about what uh, non-commercially viable is or why it's important or how to support it 
or why it's not important or why not to support it. Whatever you're really feeling or thinking, you should DM us at SparkNEU. Or email me. <laughs> Do not put your full email on this podcast. Contemplating. Contemplating. Just actually text me at 561. No. <laughs> um, all of our listeners will, will I feel like that would be a good you. little Easter egg on here. You know? Yeah? Just like Alex's, Alex's personal number. phone number. Listen to the whole thing for it. Give him we a should call. plug that at the beginning. Tell me to say, yeah. At the uh, beginning of sad. every Spark podcast. You're going to get too, you're gonna get so many prank calls. I'll just one singular number of my number in like every episode. And eventually you'll get it. That's great. That's a that's a good plant. Mm-hmm. Good Actually, seed plant. We've already dropped one of the numbers in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Listen back to I just dropped three of them like two minutes ago. No, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned for more numbers of Alex's phone number. They'll be showing up in other episodes. Come Can't back wait. to what the spark. All right. Any final concluding thoughts? I feel like this was a, a successful pod recording session. Uh, I will be selling um, my art, which is called I Am Not, and it's it's going to be sold for 13000 any, any any takers. I will be right selling here. an NFT <laughs> of Marie's art, actually, oh. um, for... Mm. For double that. Uh, ten times. Ten, ten times. Ten times. Ten times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am not going once. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. hit me up. I will be suing Marie because I had that idea first. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just nothing. <laughs> and wow. on that note, mm-hmm. thank you for listening to What the Spark. We'll chat to you next time.